0: In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I welcome you to the First Baptist Church of Oregon City worship service podcast. Out of a desire to love our neighbors well, to care for the most vulnerable among us, and to lighten the burden on our community's healthcare workers, we have continued to suspend in-person worship services for the time being and instead are worshiping via podcast. We know that uh, that this is not the way that any any of us had envisioned um, worshiping in any time in our lives, but the comfort that we can take is that God redeems time, that this time that we we feel like we are missing out on uh, seeing each other and worshiping together will be redeemed by the Lord, whether in this life or or the age to come all time is redeemed by God. And when we worship, whether it's through podcast, whether it's through two or three followers of Jesus getting together over the phone or over Zoom uh, to pray and to, to share what God's doing in their lives, we are united by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that we worship through when we're in person And it's the Holy Spirit that we worship through uh, via podcast or any other way. And as we sing and pray and hear scripture and proclaim scripture and celebrate the Lord's table together this morning, I pray that you would have a a real sense of the power of the Holy Spirit present with you, reminding you of what Jesus Christ has told us. because that's what Jesus says, the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit reminds us of all the things that Jesus says. And one of the things that Jesus says is, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. And that's a comfort that we can all give ourselves. Right now in Oregon, the amount of daylight is low, and the gray skies are closing in. And all of that in, a, in any time, in any year, causes people some problems. Um, there's such a thing as seasonal affective disorder where uh, the low light of, of winter time and the, the gray skies can can really bring a darkness to people. And when you add on to that, all of the stresses of our, our current human condition, uh, it can be a lot for people to bear. Uh, and this morning, I just wanted to remind us all that God shows us grace and mercy every day. Uh, Lamentations, one of the uh, the most mournful books of scripture, even takes the time to say that the Lord's mercies are new every morning and great is the faithfulness of God. And so today I want to remind you that God is gracious and merciful to us. God's love never fails. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that. Sometimes we have to take a minute and remind ourselves that we are loved unconditionally, that there is nothing that we can do to earn God's grace, and there is nothing that we can do to lose it, and that this grace and mercy and love of God carries us through even in the darkest times. And as we remind ourselves of that, we start to see opportunities to remind other people of that. And as you are on the phone with people, as you are um, talking with people, texting with people, if you know somebody who struggles this time of year anyway, get in touch with them, remind them how much they are loved uh, by a God who created us and loves us unconditionally. And then we as God's people are to be the ones who are introducing our whole world to the grace and mercy and love of God shown through Jesus Christ. Every action we take needs to look like that love reflected into our world, regardless of of who that person is, what value our society places on them, no matter what their skin color or gender. We love people with the grace and mercy and love of Jesus Christ unconditionally that by our witness to God's love in the world that the world might come back to God because this is the good news of the gospel. So be attentive to one another uh, right now at this kind of difficult time of of the year and in this difficult time in the human condition. Just a few announcements for us this morning. Uh, today, If you are listening to this before 11.30 a.m. Pacific time on the 17th of January, 2021, we will be having curbside communion. Uh, That is where on the 9th Avenue side of, um, of the church, the church is at 9th and John Adams. And on the 9th Avenue side is where we'll have curbside communion. You'll see orange pylons with signs that say, curbside communion, and a a big blue covering, rain or shine, we will be out there. As long as there is not ice on the hills, uh, we will be uh, safely huddled under the uh, six feet apart underneath the blue tarp, and you pull your car up, you do not get out of your car. So even if it's raining, you're not going to get wet and you won't melt. Um, And we will serve you uh, communion through your window And you can use the little communion cups that we have uh, that have a a little wafer and a little sip of grape juice, Um, but it doesn't taste great. I'll be right up front about that. It it is not, this is not for flavor. This is, um, yeah. So you might wanna bring, I don't know, a cookie and a cup of coffee, uh, a donut and a cup of coffee, um, juice and a carrot stick if you're trying to eat healthy. and uh, come and celebrate the Lord's table with us uh, at the curbside uh, of 9th Avenue uh, at our church. We'll be doing that today, January 17th, 2021, from 1130 a.m. to 1230 p.m. Uh, at the church. Uh, if you're listening to this another time, well, there's another one coming around next month. There will not be Zoom coffee hour this morning because of curbside communion. So we'll pick that back up next week. And in two weeks, on January 31st, will be uh, Zoom coffee hour at 1130. And then at noon will be our church annual meeting, where we will be voting on our new slate of officers and our 2021 budget. Uh, That has been sent out in the mail, and we uh, hope that you got it uh, yesterday. But if you have not gotten it yet and you would like to receive a copy, email baptist.church at and we will be happy to send that out to you. We hope and pray that as we worship together through podcast, that we would be worshiping together through the Holy Spirit and that we would have in mind the unity of the body of Christ that makes up our church, the churches in Oregon City, the churches in Oregon, the United States, and around the world, people who call upon the name of the Lord and are lifting up the best of our earthly praises to our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us.
1: Today, I would like to pray a prayer of encouragement because much is happening in our lives, our country, and in the world that is causing much uncertainty. So let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father, this is the day you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You promised your beloved rest between your shoulders. You are ever close to us, Father. We can do all things through you, for you are the source of our strength. Let all we do honor you, Father, as you encourage us. Let us be an encouragement to those around us. Remind us, when we falter and fall, that you uphold us. Your merciful hand has purposed our lives, and we cannot outrun your love or free gift of salvation by Jesus' sacrifice for us. Father, we weave our stories throughout ancient history and onto tomorrow. You number our days and surround us with your love. When we are down, send your Holy Spirit to remind us of your loving kindness. There is much to fear and be frustrated about in this life on earth. There are grave injustice, oppression and unfairness everywhere we look, disastrous weather events and horrific acts of violence. We fear, we fear losing our lives and our loved ones, disease and disaster. We lift our church members as well as those friends, family and acquaintances who are battling disease and sickness. We know, Father, you see their discouragement and fear as they face possibly an uncertain future. We also know that you love them, and through it all, you are their comforter. In your word we are upheld, and in your arms we throw our anxieties and find safety and protection. When the world seems to press into our lives harder than we can bear, We know we are never holding on alone. You remind us to be strong and courageous, to rely on you for strength and not to fear. You promise to strengthen us and uphold us. Through every heartache and conflict, continue to broadcast the truth of your word into our hearts. Encourage us, Father, always. Help us to navigate the tricky water of relationships on this earth and hurdle the stumbling blocks the enemy lines our daily paths with. We know in this world we will have trouble but we do not want to let it steal our joy for you have overcome the world Through though it can be hard and discouraging let us take heart in your truth squash every distorted thought and lie with the encouraging words of Christ Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. King David stated, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He and so many other biblical hallmarks have left their legacies of your encouraging word, despite their sins and shortcomings. Let us fall in their footsteps, Father, following you despite our imperfections. Adjust our expectations through your perspective. Bless our pastor today as he brings us a message of living for Jesus. Open our hearts and our ears to receive his words, and may our podcast be a blessing to all that hear it. Lord, I implore you to help us to keep getting up, to keep following you, to keep hoping, and holding on to the joy and peace Jesus died to give us. He is our source of encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: is broke.
3: Crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a
0: great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb.
3: For you are all children of
4: God through faith in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness up for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken.
1: God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs.
3: Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. Care and genuine
4: religion in the sight of God and the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless deliver them from the grasp of evil people.
1: I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous
0: living. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied.
3: The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer him sacrifices. Justice is a joy to be godly, but it terrifies evildoers. Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand completely.
1: God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy.
3: Since God chose you to
4: be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others.
1: God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God.
4: Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Always be thankful.
1: I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. They sang,
0: Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever.
4: This is the word of the Lord.
2: Thanks be to God. God.
0: Our scripture for this morning comes to us from the book of Mark, chapter eight, verses twenty-seven through thirty-eight, and chapter nine, verse one. It's all one narrative, but the last verse, for unexplained reasons, is in chapter nine. So here is Mark eight twenty-seven through nine one, and I will be reading from the New Living Translation. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, Jesus asked them, "'Who do people say I am?' "'Well,' they replied, "'Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, "'and others say you're one of the prophets.' "'Then he asked them, "'But who do you say I am?' "'Peter replied, "'You're the Messiah.' But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are magnificent videos that you can find of uh, of kids failing at t-ball. And I'm not a terrible person but it is so funny to watch kids failing at t-ball. T-ball is that that uh, that way that that kids learn to play baseball or softball, and they have the the thing that sits on home plate, and it has a a pole that comes up, and the ball sits on top. And so the you know the the video is inevitably, uh, you know, one kid will go up and and swing and smack the ball and and run the first base, and then the next kid comes up, and uh, the kid comes you know, goes waddling up there really confidently. He gets ready and he swings and the ball goes like two feet in front of the tee. And then as as the little guy is, or, or girl is is running towards first base, they trip over their own feet, They fall face first and in in the the good ones, the ones that, that are heartwarming. They get back up laughing and run to first base. Um, Worst case scenario, they they go crying off the the field. And then I feel bad for laughing at these videos. And what are you going to do? Sometimes I feel like I am both the kid who uh, smacks the ball off the tee and the kid who trips over himself uh, running to first base. I can be both of those people on the same day, the guy who gets it very right, who who knows the right things to do and say, and who feels like I'm a really faithful follower of Jesus and a competent human being and a loving husband. And then in the same day, sometimes in the same hour, I can trip over my own feet. I can do something that's so magnificently inept, I can stick my foot in my mouth, and with with Katie or with friends or or with anybody else, and just end up falling flat on my face. In that way, I relate to Peter. Peter is the impulsive disciple. Peter is the is one of the first disciples to follow Jesus. Um, he is he is one of the people who. Um, Actually, right after this passage, uh, a week's time passes, and Jesus takes Peter, James, and John uh, up to experience the transfiguration, where they get to see Jesus in all of his divine glory. Um, and Peter gets to be there, but later on, Peter goes shooting off his mouth and says the wrong thing and, and just gets a little excited and carry away. And he does the same thing here. And, and Peter vows that he'll follow Jesus to the end and then denies ever knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three strikes, and he's out. And, and he feels terrible about it, and he goes away weeping bitterly. And then when they hear Jesus has risen, he loses a foot race to John Uh, And John gets to the tomb first. And so Peter can't even get that right. Um, And in the the way of being slow, I also relate to Peter that way. Uh, I'm not going to win any foot races. Trust me. Peter is that impulsive disciple who speaks first and thinks later. And in this passage, what we see is Peter having a remarkable moment of clarity. Jesus has asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? You know, what's the consensus? What's, what's the word on the street? Uh, and then he challenges them, who do you say that I am? And when he, he hears the, the response from the word on the street, some people think that he's John the Baptist, some think Elijah, and some think one of the other prophets. And so, they're saying that Jesus is no different than this guy who just came and has been beheaded. That, or they say that he's like somebody from the distant past who uh, God had taken up to heaven in uh, a whirlwind of fire, and then anywhere in any of the other prophets, you know, whether it was Amos. Uh, or Micah or Zechariah or Isaiah that he was somebody who was just coming with the voice of God, not the identity of God. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter jumps in with the Messiah. Now, to claim that Jesus was the Messiah is not to make a claim of divinity uh, and definitely not to say that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity, he is, but that's not what Peter is saying here. Peter is saying that Jesus is the Messiah, and that came with a particular set of expectations. It came with the expectation that he was going to rescue God's people. Uh, They were under the rule, the cruel rule of the Romans, and that Jesus would overthrow Roman rule, that Jesus would purify the temple and bring, or the Messiah, rather, would purify the temple and bring back true worship of the living God, and that Jesus would, the Messiah, would establish the justice and peace of God over all the people, and that God would reign over the people, um, and all of the other peoples of the earth would come to worship um, and see the greatness of the god of the israelites that was what peter meant when he said the messiah it was not as much a claim of divinity as much as it was acknowledging that jesus is going to be this person that brings rescue to god's people They said this while they were near the village of Caesarea Philippi and Herod the Great, as we we mentioned last week, Herod the Great uh, had no claim to being the king, but yet he was because he was a convenient person for Rome to put in charge. And to make sure that he stayed in Rome's good graces, he built up a town, and in this town, which which already had a temple that was consecrated um, to the god Pan, the the Roman god Pan, um, in this town which already had this pagan temple, in is in in. Israel, Herod the Great built a temple to a different god, Caesar, because Julius Caesar was seen as as ascended to the pantheon of gods, and all of the Caesars from Julius Caesar on, Caesar Augustus, Caesar Tiberius, Caesar Caligula even, you know, on down the, the, the list, were considered to be divine. In fact, there was a saying, Caesar is Lord. Sound familiar? That's because the one of the earliest Christian affirmations, the one that we still say today, Jesus is Lord, was a slap across the face to Caesar because Caesar claimed ultimate power and control And the early Christians were saying, you're a pretender. Jesus is Lord, and the other half of that is, and Caesar is not. But yet, as Jesus is hailed as Messiah near Caesarea Philippi, with a temple to Pan and a temple to Caesar, Peter proclaims Jesus as the Messiah. And it's for this reason that Jesus says, keep this a secret. Don't go shouting this Messiah stuff from the mountaintops because Jesus wanted to redefine what the Messiah looked like. And we see that as he continues speaking because he starts talking openly about his suffering and his death and the fate that will await him when eventually he finally comes to Jerusalem. And The Messiah in Jesus's eyes is going to be somebody who takes on the full burden of what Israel was to be, what God's chosen people were to be into himself and take that burden onto himself because Israel wasn't capable of doing it. Humanity is good but broken and in all of the generations since Abraham, um, God's people had never been able to fulfill this task that was laid out for him them. So Jesus was going to take the covenant onto himself. He was going to take both sides of this, this new covenant onto himself. And that's what he's explaining to the disciples. And he wants to make sure that this task gets to be accomplished. And as he's talking about this, Peter, oh Peter, he starts to reprimand Jesus. That word "reprimand." Uh, suddenly, I'm I'm back in fifth grade with uh, my language arts teacher, Mrs. Hennen, and I got caught passing a note about Star Wars to my friend Eric, and Mrs. Hennen caught me, and I remember like very clearly, um, the definition of reprimand, um, coming from the look and the words, uh, coming out of her mouth. And they were words like, um, you need to stay after class for a little while. And that was unpleasant, but Peter starts to reprimand Jesus and starts, don't talk like that. You're the Messiah. You're going to, you're going to, to sort this all out you know we're in this mess and you're going to take care of it and you're going to bring justice and peace and and purify the temple you're not going to die and jesus rebukes reprimands peter in the harshest of terms because what jesus is saying is to interrupt this mission to interrupt his work of taking the covenant onto himself of of being everything that Israel should have been being the Messiah to oppose that is to be in league with Satan. That's what he's saying to Peter. And then he, he calls the crowd to him and he gives the crowd some, some words and there are words that are well worth us thinking over. Uh, Back in in July of last year, Katie and I went hiking up uh, Zigzag Mountain to Burnt Lake. And it was a pretty steep climb. And at several different places along the way, we would get little glimpses of the majesty that waited us when we got to the top. I remember there was one place that we were particularly particularly tired, and we stopped for a water break, and you could look out and see um, you could see the the base of Mount Hood while the the clouds were obscuring the peak. You could see the whole valley below. You could see where we had come from, and the more the closer we got to our our final uh, end point the more we were able to see. And if we had finished going the rest of the way up Zigzag Mountain, um, we would have been able to see so much more. And this is that sort of moment in scripture where if we take the time to get through these words and to really pay attention and work on these words, it really gives us a remarkable view of what our lives look like when they're lived for Jesus. Because what Jesus is telling us is that if we're living for him, if we want to follow in his footsteps, then our lives will look like lives of people on a cross. Uh, There's a word, cruciform, uh, and it means cross-shaped. That's all it means cross-shaped, cruciform. And that's the way our lives are to be as we, as we hear the words of Jesus here. It was 2017. And I had led a a small group mission trip to West Virginia, familiar. (laughs) And it was, uh, to a town near where I had gone to college. And I had friends there, um, My friend James Asbury pastors a church in in the town of Canova, and that's where we were. And there was a a recovery house for people who were on their way uh, to healing from addiction. Mostly it was addiction to meth. Uh, It's a big problem in, in that area. Meth, heroin, the whole lot of it. And the leader of the house... We had had organized a, a car wash to help them raise money to, to keep the, the mission and the work of the house going. And we were, were helping out with that car wash. And there was this, a lull in things. And he was talking to a group of our, our students. And he said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, the key to recovery is living it every day. The key to recovery is every day waking up and deciding to live the recovery lifestyle. It's waking up every morning and deciding that you're going to be in recovery, not that you're going to go back to addiction. And when I, I th- heard those words, suddenly this passage made sense to me. Jesus is calling on us to turn from our selfish ways, First and foremost, we are very good at looking out for ourselves. First and foremost, we want to make sure that we're taken care of. And there is an altruistic, there's a good, a positive way to take care of yourself. Um, Because if we are tired, if we are hungry, if we are lonely, if we are um, not taking care of ourselves well, then our ability to love and serve Jesus is going to be hindered. There are things that I do that are good for my physical health. Um, I put on my mask and go on walks um, fairly regularly, at least every Monday, I go for a nice long walk. Um, And I I listen to good music and and I I pray and I ask God to, to speak to me. And those walks have become a really special time for me. Um, And that's taking care of myself. That's a good thing for me to do. Um, It's good for my physical health. It's good for my mental health. And as they say, when you're hearing the airline flight attendant video uh, or the the airline attendant speaking, um, put on your mask before you help somebody on with their mask. Make sure that you're healthy and well before you help somebody else. But we also have ways where we are selfish, where we want the best for us. We want the best for me, first and foremost. If it inconveniences me, then I don't want to do it. And we all have our moments. Um, It's something that we work on day by day. And we do that ourselves. We do that as a, as a group, as a body of Christ, because we too as, as groups of people can be selfish. We can be selfish and tribal and territorial. And Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, give that up. Put that down. And there are ways that we are particularly selfish. There are ways that we are particularly uh, bad about looking out for number one. And that has to be crucified. That has to go to the cross. And when Jesus says, you must take up your cross and follow me, it's a statement of, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to the cross myself. And you have to go to the cross with me. Is Christianity a call to new life in Jesus. Yes, that's the good news of the gospel. Is new life in Jesus Christ, renewal in Jesus Christ, that through the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus that God is has redeemed and is renewing the world. But it's also a call to come and die. Because we are all we are all taken by the ways of this world. We all have the, the ways of this world that, that we're brought up in, that we're trained in, that we're, we're formed in. We're formed by, by advertising and we're formed now by social media and we're formed by things that are good and things that are, are not so good. We're formed by things that, that point us more towards a Christ-like life But there's also the way of this world that that explicitly says, look out for number one. If it's going to benefit you, do that at anybody else's expense. We uh, We have taken the idea of individual freedom and set it above the idea of being called to crucify our selfish desires. As followers of Jesus, we take our our selfishness, we take our sinfulness, we take even those sins that we love to cling to and we let Jesus take them. We crucify them. And we choose to do this day after day after day. Every day we wake up and we choose to put aside our selfish desires Because if we do this, anything that we crucify, any selfish desire, and let me tell you, our selfish desires are usually just perversions of things that are good. If you look at anything that is is sinful and broken, it's a perversion of something good that God has given us. We have a, a desire for uh, to to love and be loved, but when we we fill that desire to be loved with the desire for things, or the desire to love somebody who belong who is in a covenanted relationship with somebody else, that's when we get into trouble. Um, God made sex to be a good thing between uh, between two people who are in a covenantal marriage. But when we look at lust and when we look at, um, at adultery and, and so many other things in, in that vein, that good gift from God gets perverted and twisted and becomes kind of a horror show um, with, with very little left of the good gift in it. And so by laying those things down and crucifying those things and dying to those things. Jesus can bring new life through his resurrection. We're not there yet in in this scripture passage, but we know that's coming. But Jesus says, bring those things, take up your cross to die to those things. Because We can hang on to our selfish lives. We can live the ways of the world, but it's not going to get us anywhere in the kingdom. We can confess Jesus all we want to. We can say, Jesus is Messiah. We can say, Jesus is my homeboy. We can say, Jesus is my BFF. But if we're not taking up this call to die to our wicked ways then we can confess Jesus all we want to but we never get to the life that Jesus is offering us and then Jesus has a strange a strange saying that i usually see on facebook posts it's quoted the most on facebook posts that'll have like a picture of jesus and it says like, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you unless you share this post. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you, that's not, that's not what this is about, uh, this, this passage. Because if we confess Jesus with our mouths and don't live out the call to come and die, to die to the ways of this world, if we allow something to maintain control of us and to have a more important place in our lives than Jesus does, if we cling to these idols that we have, we are denying Jesus with our lives. If we cling to the expectation that we can have the ways of this world and Jesus too, then we are denying the power of Jesus in our lives. If we make anything important, more important than Jesus, then we are denying Jesus with our lives. When we put this all together, it shows us what it means to live as a follower of Jesus. It means that we do the work and God helps us with this. God doesn't leave us alone. This is one of the things that the Holy Spirit accomplishes in us is the Holy Spirit leads us in ways of righteousness. The Holy Spirit for, helps us to accept forgiveness for our, our, our ways that are dishonorable to God and to move forward in new life. The Holy Spirit helps us to live lives that confess Jesus as Lord, not just with our mouths, but with every fiber of our being. But it still requires us to take up our cross every day to the things that would stand between us and God. And if you don't know what those things are, I would say start with prayer. Start with prayer and and ask God to reveal those things that are standing in the way of fully confessing Jesus Christ with your life. And then look at your relationships. Where are your, your interpersonal relationships healthy? Where are they unhealthy? Um, where is there, where is there conflict? Where is there a lack of peace? And, and ask God to, to show you brokenness in your life and how you can lay down your selfishness, how you can crucify whatever's breaking these relationships. Because what God wants for us is he wants us. He wants us to love him and worship him with our whole heart. And before we can do that, we have to crucify the things that stand in the way. Ultimately, we can't do this work on our own. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. Jesus died on the cross so that we could accomplish this, so that through God, we could accomplish this. A Christ-like life Living for Jesus looks like laying down our selfish desires, crucifying them on the cross, and looking for new life in Jesus Christ our Lord. See We come now to the Lord's table, and it's the table that Jesus set for his disciples on the night he was betrayed, the night before he would go to the cross so that we could have new life and be part of the new covenant between God and his people, that we could be adopted into the family of God and by what Jesus has done for us, be found worthy to sit at God's family table. We celebrate this meal together um, as a body of of Christ at First Baptist Church of Oregon City. We celebrate this uh, as a body of Christ across cities and across states and nations and around the world. It is this meal that we eat together uh, in in a, a mystical fellowship that we don't fully comprehend all the time as human beings, but where we are united in this meal by the Holy Spirit. If you are listening to this before 1130 a.m. on the 17th of January 2021 and would like to join us for curbside communion, uh, it is again on the Ninth Avenue side of First Baptist Church. Um, just pull up in your car. We will uh, serve you and we'll, we'll go through the communion service with you and, and pray with you. And then uh, off your way, off on your way, you can go. Um, if you are not able to join us for curbside communion, we will be going through uh, the communion service here on the Worship Service Podcast. So let's come to the table of the Lord together. The table of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of company with Jesus and all who love him. It is the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It is the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more. You who have been here often and you who have not been for a long time. You who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed. Come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. In this, we proclaim to you a mystery that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ is coming again. Let's pray. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and cup to offer, which has come forth from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing so that we may know your touch and presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us now. Made one in Christ and one with each other, we offer these gifts and with them ourselves a single living act of praise. Amen. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took some bread And gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross, take and eat this bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed in my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Looking back at what Christ did for us on the cross and looking forward to the time when we will drink it anew with Jesus in the age to come, take and drink. For every time you eat this bread, And drink this cup you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again let's go to the Lord in prayer Almighty God whose son our Savior Jesus Christ is the light of the world grant that your people illumined by your word and table may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory that he may be known worshiped and obeyed to the ends of the earth Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for joining us for worship this morning. We hope and pray that you are well. And if you find yourself in need, uh, whether of encouragement or or physical needs, please get in touch with us. Our our church website is onebaptistchurch.org, the number onebaptistchurch.org. Uh, you can also email us at baptist.church@comcast.net at Comcast.net so we can reach out to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I'd like to thank Jeannie Vance for our prelude this morning. I'd like to thank Melissa Mellinger, our Director of Worship and Youth, for leading us in song. I'd like to thank Jim Leatherman, our church moderator, for leading us in prayer this morning. I'd like to thank Katie Witham uh, for leading the First Baptist Church readers in our creative scripture reading. And I'd like to thank Gary and Doreen Hunley, our audio engineers, for making everything sound good. And remember, love God, love your neighbor, wear your mask, and wash your hands.